Hi, I'm Sarah Grace McCandless and welcome to On Brand. You know, today we're going to really focus on a subject that is so near and dear to my heart, and it's how wellness practices really tie in to creativity and innovation. We focus a lot on this desire for true connection between people and the companies they engage with, and also this, this growing desire for purpose. So within that, creativity and innovation play a really huge role. And wellness practices like mindfulness, like meditation, are becoming more and more a part of the bigger picture. My guest today is an expert on several fronts that ties all of this together. Nigel Barlow is a business innovation speaker, and he's also a trustee for the David Lynch Foundation UK. We're going to talk about how those two things are connected. Nigel's really incredible experience, including being the author of several books and more about how you can lend or learn from his experience as well. Nigel, welcome to On Brand. Thank you very much and welcome. Lovely to meet you. So great to meet you. You know, the first uh, way I kind of came about to learn about you was through Transcendental Meditation Organization. We're going to talk about that, but let's start first with you. Tell my viewers and my listeners about yourself, your background, and how you got involved in this sort of innovation space and working with some of the biggest brands in the world. Great question. And I learned about it really by being useless at my main career, which was uh, I read law at Oxford University and I trained as a barrister. You probably get those reruns of Rumpole of the Bailey or the, the attorney who appears in, in court. But I was really bored with this early on. So I met some wonderful people who were both teaching meditation, which wasn't fashionable in, that, in those days, but also translating what was useful from psychology into the world of creativity and innovation within business. And that allowed me to invent, I suppose, a different career of speaking, coaching to a lot of the world's big brands on those topics. Um, and, 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 and I suppose the, the meditation, the TM, Transcendental Meditation specifically, gave me the inner strength to stand up after lunch, my favorite speaking um, time, um, and speak to 500 people all around the world. Now, of course, all around the world means virtually mm -hmm. um, on those topics. I'm the only person I know who misses the smell of aviation, diesel, and airport departure lounges. Isn't that sad? Um, perhaps just because it means I'm going somewhere fascinating to speak to some great people uh, about a topic I love. Yeah, I love that. I miss it too. You know, I used to travel a lot. I think it's coming back. I think we're actually, you know, entering that phase. I love what you said about this pivot from your career. Um, you know, we have something in common there because I thought I wanted to be an attorney as well. Um, mm. And then I realized I just wanted to be on Law and Order, which is a little different, right? So, uh, but I grew up with an attorney for, uh, my stepfather is an attorney and uh, definitely know the legal world. I love what you said though about kind of leaning into what sounds like your higher purpose, you know, really um, taking that practice of transcendental meditation and also finding ways to fuse that into your speaking um, on business innovation and creativity. Let's uh, talk about transcendental meditation. Can you also, we refer to it as TM um, as well. Can you define that and talk about how you first got involved uh, in the TM practice? 
Yeah, I can. TM basically, to explain to people, is not a belief system, a lifestyle, a diet or physical yoga or whatever. It's a mental practice. You do it for 20 minutes twice a day, sitting comfortably in a chair with your eyes closed. It's extremely blissful. Your mind settles down from the busy, 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 got to do this, got to phone this person from that level and literally transcends. Now, transcend means go beyond. It goes beyond your usual preoccupations. You arrive at this inner state of great calmness and you draw on this reservoir of inner stillness when you come out of the meditation and you're going through your busy schedule. That kind of inner calmness, stillness, clarity of thought remains with you. And I got into it not because I was any spiritual seeker or anything, um, because my best friend dragged me along to a talk on it. And I wanted to go to the English pub, actually. That was my preference for that evening. But I'm really glad I didn't, because I started this practice. I was amazed how easy and effortless it was. And I had three months to go to my law exams. I had not been to a law lecture for about three years. I used to go to lectures on psychology, philosophy, literature. And the, what I noticed was my ability to be present-centered, to take in the information, not to be worrying about, oh, this is what my girlfriend said to me an hour ago. This is what's going to happen next week. But to be there in the moment and with a relaxed mind, actually absorb it. And I did quite well in the end. So I thought, this works. And, and that's why later on, uh, I became a teacher of transcendental meditation. Well, you were a part of this world. You've been, I mean, doing this for quite some time now. I feel like particularly in the last year, um, one of the things that sort of came to the forefront, one of the many things uh, mm. during the pandemic was this need to kind of pause, slow down, reset, go inward. You know, we saw a lot of that. Um, you were well, well ahead of the game on this front. I found TM, I guess it's been um, about seven or eight years now. And that was by way of my mother oh. and my stepfather, same attorney I was just talking about. Yes, They are dedicated TM practitioners. Uh, it's a huge part of my, my parents, their community. And they were really generous to share that with me. And I got to tell you, that's something that's a pillar that I, I I can see the connection as somebody who's very immersed in that, in my business world and in my creative world, my writing and, and things I do on that front. Um, you were there. Why do you think mindfulness and meditation have become so much more a part of the conversation these days? Because I think we are expanding our world technically, and that's great, so what we're, how we're able to talk now across uh, uh, from a rainy English day to probably some gorgeous weather where you are, but we can connect. Uh, but the technology was all outer. And I think people realized that it wasn't necessarily making them happier, more fulfilled, more relaxed, you know, more in touch with their true self. Um, to use language that sounds a little bit sort of new agey if you say it like that, but there is a level of yourself that you reach when you transcend that actually is more the you that's always been there underneath, underlying all the changes you've been through in your life, the way you look, the way you dress, the way you think, and so on. So I think it's really um, a yearning to go within. You know, in Hollywood, most of the movies end up with the hero or heroine has to find their truth within them. But where? 
And it's not accidental that, and how, that David Lynch, uh, the great innovative film director, or quite a polymath, he has many skills in other directions, set up this charity to teach transcendental meditation to the world's most at-risk people, as well as to businesses, uh, simply because his experience was that meditating regularly every day for 40 years, he says he's never missed one, okay. that he found that he was able to tap in to those inner quieter levels. Because let's face it, where are you? And this is a, a question I ask many business audiences. Where are you physically when you get your great ideas? And people will say in the shower, walking the dog, sleeping in bed, in the bar, anywhere, but with the screen in front of you or the piece of paper in front of you. And what we're doing when we do TM is taking that tendency to go within just to a much, much deeper, more fundamental level. Because, you know, ideas just pop up, don't they? And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they just, they, they seem to come from somewhere deep and that still level of the ocean of your mind. And that is the process, but when you meditate, that you have more easy access. David Lynch said it beautifully. He said, if you want to catch the big fish, you have to go down to deeper and deeper levels of, of the ocean. And down there, the fish are bigger, brighter, more abstract, more powerful. So I think it's everybody's desire to balance the outer and the fantastic progress we've made, whether it's in vaccines, whether it's in um, technology, uh, medicine, wherever, to balance that outer with something inner that really makes you resilient. And, and I'm a bit wary about using that word because I think it's been the most overused word of the last 15 months. You've all heard it. How can you be more resilient? Because it's, it's stressful, there's a lot happening. And it's an inner technique that allows you to achieve that, not a list of tips that are behavioral on the surface. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I something I certainly get asked about all the time in, in my position. I even wrote a piece about brand resilience, but you know, I wrote it from the heart. And what I looked for is were things like purpose and connection and transparency, not a, you know, you know, a marketing checklist, right? Um, per se, but really like stopping and thinking about that. I think resilience has been um that's a hot buzzword, um, unprecedented, right? Um thesaurus is my favorite uh, tool <laughs> so i i try well, to find actually, let's talk about that if that's yeah. all right there if, yeah, if this is still on brand and not off brand not at all one of the roots of creativity is curiosity mm -hmm. einstein said it's amazing after a formal education that anybody can have an original idea because they lose curiosity. Think of our kids. You know, why, why, where? Sorry, don't tell the social workers. They are <laughs> asking these questions all of the time. As adults, we think, oh, I kind of know that. And I won't carry on being curious and asking those, those deeper questions. And language is often the key to deeper understanding. Let's take a word. I often ask business audiences this, the word technology. Mm -hmm. How many times do you use that every day? And people say, oh, 10, 20, 30 times. And then I say, what does it mean? What are the roots of that word? A deathly silence, even with the world's biggest technology companies, Apple, Microsoft, 
PHP, whatever I've worked with. And the answer is simply techne is from the Greek. As far as we can translate it, it means um, art, craft, ingenuity or skill. And logos, it means the word, literally, knowledge or wisdom. And I think the interesting thing with meditation is you're using a technology of consciousness, mm. but it's an inner technology, not the same technology that makes your computer work and connect. And when you look at it, so I would, your thesaurus is great. I would go one further, Sarah. I would say, this is me being very nerdy. I would say get a dictionary of word origins. Leave it in your guest bathroom. Mm -hmm. This will be not only impress your visitors, in a few minutes, it's amazing how you can go deeper into something. Just a word like disease. Mm -hmm. Disease, most illnesses, 80%, probably caused or aggravated by stress. Enthusiast, which is what I know you've been uh, trying to get your readers to do, be more enthusiastic about their brand. Entheos, in God or spirit. There's something almost spiritual, isn't there, about someone who's really passionate and enthusiastic about something. So questioning more deeply the real meaning of things is extremely powerful way of beginning to open up the mind to new ideas well we are kindred spirits because i did not prep you with that before we uh we, we got here right but you're talking about words and definitions yes. and etymology and semantics that is my core, I have a whole creative project I started a couple of years ago that's all based, this call and response based on that deeper dive. And you're right, curiosity I think is key um, in terms of really getting into where that creativity is, is just waiting to be born. Now you mentioned uh, a lot of great things there, but you talked about TM and, and working um, on teaching that to people who are underserved, but also working with businesses as well, really making it universal and um, accessible to lots of different groups. Yes, we're working at the moment, teaching people in one of the world's big uh, telecoms company, uh, wow. satellite communications company, a big publisher, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Because I think that people are finding now that they're in this box here all of the time, for some people, that's been very strenuous on, 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 on their mental health. And I think what companies need to do is give people tools to help themselves, to be self-reliant, to be self-resilient, if you like. And certainly the technique of TM has been very powerful with a lot of creative business minds. Ray Dalio heads up Bridgewater Associates in the States, the biggest, most successful probably hedge fund. Been doing it for 40 years. He's been meditating about that long and says it's a single factor that's driven success. And in his company, about 40% of the people meditate, they do their TM 15, 20 minutes twice a day on company time because he reckons they're more productive and creative. And he is a really a money man. So this isn't a just nice to do a kind of nice sop to the troops. It's something that really affects the way people's brains operate. Um, if we have time, we can talk about the uh, brain research on, on transcendental meditation, which actually changes the way the brain works, so all the different parts of the brain, front, back, side, that don't usually operate together, mm -hmm. operate in a more coherent way. And you can see this in EEG patterns and so on. 
But what I would say, my personal experience is not, you know, those days when your mind is crystal clear, you know, nothing's a problem. You have one idea after another. Next day, rather more foggy or whatever. I think over time, people practicing TM find they get more of the former days because they've actually changed the way their body and mind relaxes to be able to access those deeper levels of thought and creativity. I think you're absolutely right. And again, I can attest to that firsthand. Um, it's not a perfect science, but I'm definitely, if I think about the last six to seven years, um, bringing this uh, tool into my toolkit, uh, I see not only the growth and the impact, but also how it connects to other aspects of my life um, in terms of creativity and leadership. I'm curious, you know, we talked about like words and meaning and sometimes they're losing their meaning. And then yeah. practices like yeah. TM getting you back into yeah. sort of those aha moments. Do you think things like TM can help leaders um, and executives really get more authentic or get to uh, a stronger sense of, of what they mean by what they say and what they do? Wow. Now, that would be a fascinating thing to research. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't pretend that there is that. Um, there is a lot of published research on TM, about 400 papers in all the peer-reviewed world's great journals from Lancet to Journal of Neurophysiology, Nature or whatever, about the positive effects on mind and body and the stress-busting impact of that. Um, I certainly people report anecdotally, leaders I've taught in business or know, that they get more of those clear days that I just mentioned, if you like, where, where the mind's thinking uh, rather more crisply and not so uh, fuzzily. But I think what grows over time, it's a cumulative effect, is the ability, and this is going to sound like a cliche, so let's go into it, to be yourself. Now, we can think of self on the surface. I do, I'm Nigel Barlow, I do this, I speak about this. I'm Sarah Grace McCandless, I do this, and so on. But there is a deeper level of what you could almost call it, um, if it doesn't sound too philosophical, being just who we are deeper inside. And what grows is also a sense of invincibility, that you don't care so much what other people think. Well, you may care, but you're not overwhelmed by it. And this, in my career, standing up and speaking to large audiences around the world that I haven't met before usually, is extremely is extremely powerful because there's an inner feeling of nothing can shake me. Let's have some great heckles. I, I love that. I love what Mark Twain said. He said, give me a hostile audience any day. And he didn't mean it, <laughs> I think, literally. But what he meant was that it brings out the knowledge and it brings the best out of the speaker. Now, I'm sure it's many years of practicing TM has made me more, I'm going to use the word resilient um, in that way that I'm not phased. And leaders who aren't phased in business are more likely to be not caught up in ego battles uh, and so on, more like to be more self-aware and more likely, I think, to make clearer business decisions. And if you look on the website, davidlynchfoundation.com uh, in America, you'll see many great leaders talking about this from their own experience. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's an incredible pedigree that um, has has worked with the David Lynch Foundation, but you also, in your own right, you mentioned uh, several of these brands and organizations that you've worked with. Yeah. Many, yeah. many global brands. Um, you know, perhaps some some we have a lot of emerging brands now too, yeah. right, in the startup space. Yeah. And you're speaking to them. I know you talk about mission and value and purpose. Yeah. Um, what is there like a key takeaway that you found that might be a little bit more universal for any brand to kind of think about when they are starting to contemplate how to lean into this more? I think the jargon is think different. Well, that's what Apple say. Um, when right. I speak to them, I uh, pedantically uh, correct that. Say correct grammar is think differently, but you know it's a it's it's a slogan. But think differently isn't as easy as the words trip off the tongue uh, like that to actually do that because our brains are rather lazy and rather stuck without us thinking of it. And so I often start an event by getting, even if it's a few hundred people, to stand up and then I show them this visual image and say, you can sit down when you have seen the answer. And the clue is all you have to do is think differently. And here's the image. Mm -hmm. And then let's make it a bit easier for you if you haven't got it. And then back to the original. It was, it was there. The key to really being creative is to turn your perceptions inside out. See the world from the market, from the consumer, from the potential consumer, from someone else's perspective. Usually we see black on white. Here is white on black. It, it could be the other way around. But the point is it changes our perception, but it's not easy. The record time for not getting this visual is eight hours, but I won't keep you uh, waiting online that long. But the, 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 this is a metaphor to start introducing this subject of the fact that it's not that easy to think differently because unconsciously we are filtering the world through what we expect to see and what we have seen in the past. Mm -hmm. So much of my work is trying to get people to change that mindset. One month in a job and you go blind, is how a client said this to me 10 years ago. And it was very powerful. Uh, she, she really meant, you know, you stop being curious, you stop questioning, you accept things. And maybe a month is an exaggeration, but I would recommend, firstly, that you go around and ask all those people who've only been with you a month or two their perceptions of the organization before they become institutionalized and develop that beginner's mind for yourself. That is such excellent advice. And I love what you said about looking at things from a different point of view and perspective, um, both within the employee experience and the customer experience as well. Um, you know, a lot of the work that I do when I when I first meet with our partners, mm. you know, they're still looking mm. at the brand only through the lens of the brand, which is important, but it's not the only perspective to consider. And as you were saying that, I was also thinking, gosh, this really speaks to not just that business world, though, right? If you're in a uh, interpersonal dynamic and stopping and thinking about things from another point of view, that can well, serve. I think, I think that's so important because. Mm -hmm. In my work, what I'm doing very often is challenging stereotypes. And the point about a stereotype is we often don't even know um, that, we're, that we're making it. And, and here's a simple question. 
questions often unlo unlock, I think, fresh thinking, uh, which is, if I ask you, and we haven't rehearsed this, sir, to think <laughs> to name someone creative. Who's creative? Who's a creative? Um, Go on, Cheryl say, Strayed. Say, say it again. Cheryl Strayed. Okay. And He's a writer that I yeah. love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and who else? Mm, Tina Fey. Tina Fey, great. Mm -hmm. You see, this is great. This is why a sample of one never works. I love this. Um, <laughs> what happens is, is mostly people come out with the same old names, whether it's Einstein or Newton or Picasso or or mostly dead males, by the way. So, <laughs> of course. So congratulations with your fresh take on it. Um, and, and that's a very dangerous stereotype mm -hmm. because what it's saying is that these are geniuses, Mozart, whoever, um, they're not me, and it's something that doesn't really relate to me. I'm just running an accounts department. I'm actually um, running a call center. I'm, I'm designing, coding some new software. Mm -hmm. And that's completely wrong, because I think basically we all have the capacity to be creative, but to be creative in different ways and to different levels. You can be creative in the way you run your family, in the way you celebrate birthdays, in the way that you bring up your children. Um, in the way you organize your time and priorities. And so a lot of my work is to get rid of those stereotypes that creativity is something that happens out there and it doesn't happen in here because it can happen for all of us. This is not to say glibly like the self-help books say, you can all be uh, an Einstein, you can all be a Tina Fey, you can all be a wh whoever it is. Um, and by the way, my favorite example recently of breaking the stereotypes is the famous actress and great beauty of her time, Hedy Lamarr. Mm -hmm. do, do you know that she was a great mathematician and physicist who actually worked on technology that helped avert torpedoes in the Second World War? It's the same basic technology mm -hmm. she and her team discovered that is used in Bluetooth today, in SMS, in a lot of communications. And people go, what? But, you know, she's a beautiful film actress. How can she? She was one of the most brilliant minds of her generation. And, and I love the fact that um, now we're being taken to task with stereotyping, whether it's about race, whether it's about gender or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever, because that is opening up so many possibilities, I think. I love that. I love this kind of rethinking what does creativity mean and is it attainable? I think that there's some correlation there too when people have think about meditation. I know, I'll be honest, yeah. when I first started learning yeah. TM, I worried more about doing it right, which, you know, <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's so common, right? Am I, am I doing it right? Mm. Am I doing it? Also, I have, you know, that has to do with people pleasing tendencies, but we won't unpack that right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, no, I, 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 I'd be the interviewer now. I'm interested. I know. Well, well, how much? Yeah, we need like a, a three-part mini-series on that one. But, um, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned Hedy Lamarr, too. I love finding out when you when you know somebody in a certain light who might be famous for one reason, yeah. that they are multifaceted because that's how we are as people. That's how we are in yeah. business. I was doing some research last night on Georgia O'Keeffe. Um, oh, wonderful. Related to Ghost Ranch, where is where I wrote what became my first novel and is the basis for the screenplay project I'm working on. Did you know Georgia O'Keeffe, uh, first of all, had was approached by advertisers for Dole Pineapple, like in the 50s and 60s, to use some of her paintings? Also, she later in life had macular de degeneration, which takes away your vision and makes it only peripheral. And she's a painter. Everything is visual. 
So uh, there was all these late, I never knew this about her. I was just researching a little bit more about Ghost Ranch where I had this wonderful experience, but I love that. And I think it, it speaks to us when we think about ourselves in business, what the other thing that we're seeing now is that, or at least I'm seeing is I'm not work Sarah and not work Sarah. I'm just Sarah. I'm just Sarah Grace. I'm a whole person. And everything that you're talking about really, really speaks to kind of showing up holistically as well, I think. I think that's beautifully put. And, and you know, the Venn diagram of personal professional mm -hmm. now overlaps so much. Not only are you just seeing into people's rooms and lives, it's just that companies are being forced to really do something about that old cliche, um, people are our greatest resource. You, you know, I, I used to have in my speaking contract that I could scream and leave the room at that point if uh, my client said people are our greatest resource without evidence, you know, without evidence of it happening. Uh, and I think that's very important. But the idea that something that's inner meditation can affect the outer, your business performance, your um, stress levels, your health, it, it is now no longer a crazy idea. It's no longer a crazy idea. But one thing I just, just wanted to emphasize on that, Sarah, is that with something like, uh, like TM, belief is not required. Belief is not required at all. You just do it like brushing your teeth or, or, or whatever, and you get the, and you get the benefits. It's, it's beyond belief. And, and I think that's very, very important because a lot of people, particularly in business, they're rightfully skeptical as they show me and, uh, and, and I'll believe you. Um, you know, with, people are almost immune to sort of sales pitches. Mm -hmm. so, so I just want to put a little bit of translation here. You'll all hear that I have a speech defect, which is that I speak English English, not a nice, strong American English or a sexy Italian English or whatever English English. And in my culture, we are world champions at one thing, the th which is the art of understatement. The three highest superlatives in English are quite good, rather nice, or not bad. And I, I said that to a big technology company in Silicon Valley when I'd done a conference and they, they took me to dinner and they said, Nigel, how was dinner? And I said, not bad. Mm. I said, what do you mean, not bad? For not bad, think awesome, truly awesome, or really awesome, okay? Now, I, for me, I would suggest that my experience of TM is it's not bad. Um, and that it does have a very, but, but, but I, I, I wouldn't persuade people to do it. I would say you're missing a lot if you don't. Um, but I think it's very much for people to, to find out for themselves. And two minutes of experience tells you what X number of books. It's a waste of time reading books about meditation. Throw them in the bin. You've got to do it. It's, it's like you can read books about swimming, but you know, a couple of strokes and you're enjoying it. Well, let's, Thank you for that segue, because let's talk about books. Let's talk, not mine, yours. Let's talk about your books. You have at least three, I believe, correct? And including- uh, Four now, four now, yeah. Four, okay. Yeah. See, I gotta, gotta keep up here. And one that really jumped out to me, of course, was uh, Batteries Included, Creating Legendary Customer Service, because yes. you were right, I mean, that book came out uh, and it has become even more and more important. Um, talk to me about your books and also what do you think uh, is one of the key things to keep in mind when creating legendary customer service? Well, I think that behind all, all, all that I've written is, is, is 
Van Morrison, the musician, said, I've written the same song 400 times. Now, they're not all the same. What he's saying is that he has some basic shtick or some basic angle. And my basic angle is, is that we all have the capacity to think in terms of possibility, to think more creatively, and to bring that into our personal and professional lives to enrich life. That's basically the theme. Batteries Included was a book I wrote quite a few years ago. I'm just updating. Um, about the customer experience. And it was based on the idea that worst experiences of customers getting a box or a present, and it had on it those dreadful words, batteries not included. And, and I use this as an analogy for any interface with an organization where the process or the person in front of you does not seem to have batteries included hello how may i help you you, you know you, you, we've all experienced that it's, there's no emotions you would say sarah in that person supposedly representing the brand and legendary is beyond excellent simply because i guess i run a business with um tom peters who wrote in search of excellence and it was a great word but i, I got fed up with hearing about the word excellence so did he i think in the end you know it was so overused often for some quite mediocre operations and legendary means that people tell the story the internet the connected world we're in is a vast storytelling machine and if the sum total of those stories about people's experiences is positive you have built that brand in a positive customer responsive way if not um not and so i think the idea of a legend has i i know you've had other sessions here on brand as storytelling mm -hmm. but this is the big story what is the overall story of your users or customers experience of you um and that's why i meant by legends beyond excellent you did everything right it's all of the stuff that you created an emotional bond something that people recall, something they'll want to tell their friends, family, etc. about. In old idea, and in the new world, I'm talking about what I call digi-care, because mm -hmm. for most people, the customer experience is, of course, digital rather than analog. That's right. That's exactly what uh, sort of my purview and focus is is rooted in. And but you know, and then there's that challenge of creating. How do you create connection in a digital space without going back to that robot sound that you were sharing earlier too? And and actually still sounding human and brand voice and tone in there. Um, but you're right. It is about the relationship, the entire relationship, um, and what's happening at all stages. I always say too. I feel like your customer. They'll, they'll forgive you for making mistakes. It's about how you show up when you do, you know, so. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Nigel, your insights uh, and everything you've shared is just so beautiful. And I love this, these little stars that are forming this really beautiful constellation of, of how we work and live and create and innovate. Um, you know, we're in a new year. We had quite a, quite a year uh, yeah. in 2020 on a number yeah. of levels, pandemic and otherwise. I'm curious, just to kind of wrap things up, you know, we're almost halfway through this 2021. I can't believe it. Um, mm -hmm. What do you, what's forefront for you right now? And what are you, what are you looking forward to um, as we kind of transition into a new phase? Well, naturally being English, I don't um, touch people. So hugging, I haven't met. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, I am being a colleague. Of course. 
of course, <laughs> I, of course, you, you know, this is a terrible stereotype. The English are actually very physical people these days. It's all changed. Uh, well, it's obviously, you know, what everybody says, hugging their kids and, uh, of course. and, and, and dear friends. Um, I don't think, uh, I, I again have a fine system if anybody uses the words new normal um because it's yes. just used so mindlessly over and over and over i i don't think there is such a thing uh really um i i think that the world will rebound much faster than we think and part of that is to reframe the crisis just think of this heavy language that's been landing in our psyches and our souls for the last year social distancing if you reframe that as virtual networking, you now have the capacity to actually get in touch with everybody around the world, the experts, even have personal sessions with them. They're probably at home. You can probably get them. If you think of lockdown, God, that's so heavy. What about reframing lockdown as breakthrough? Many of the companies I'm working with say they've done you know, six years of innovation in six months or, or, or whatever, forced by necessity. So uh, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, travel, as I love being in different cultures. But I'm certainly looking forward to people realizing that whatever awful stuff we've been through, this is the first time the whole world has had to bond, however imperfectly, and we can go into that, over a common crisis and have we got it perfectly right absolutely not but are there a lot of positive signs of, of possibility for better transparency in medical research in uh, inoculation programs many other areas i think there'll be a lot of positives but at the same time i hate the person who's been on the positive thinking seminar mm -hmm. because they come up to you and you say they say, oh, is that a problem? It's not a problem. It's an opportunity. And mm -hmm. it is for them, but maybe not for you. This has been a problem for many, many, many people and still is around the world. But I do feel that in the next few months, we'll be seeing some of the opportunities for change and all of the good things that have been bubbling up underneath the surface during this time as well. Yeah, I love that. And that balance, that reframing your mindset without falling into sort of that toxic positivity, you know, the, this toxic is fine. Positivity, that's great. <laughs> I did not make that up. Uh, but I like, I, it, it speaks for itself, right? But there's a balance there. And I think there is a lot of value um, to be gleaned, though, from reframing mindset. And that is a, a great note to, to wrap things up on. Um, Nigel, thank you so much for your time. I feel very grateful for my virtual networking that brought you into my world. Right. Um, and I hope that as travel opens up, you know, one of the trips I had planned last year was a trip to the UK for a couple speaking engagements. So well, I am always looking for victims to subject <laughs> my Oxford Oddities tour to, um, because it will convince you that uh, England is actually a 21st century theme park. Oh, uh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to it. I've only spent time really in Edinburgh at our, our uh, offices there, but I'm really looking forward to that. So thank look you. Look forward to seeing you. Yeah, wonderful you. conversation. And thank you so much for these wonderful insights. Not at all. Pleasure to talk to you all. All the best. <laughs>